The Guardian. Now, as we've been hearing today, trouble flared following a peaceful protest about the death of Mark Duggan. You can see a police uh, car being attacked. Somebody just attacked our camera. We're just trying to carry on. The devastation caused by Tottenham's violent riots is clear to see. The sound of fury, disorder and chaos on the streets of Tottenham. It's been a month since the shooting by police of Tottenham man Mark Duggan and the eruption of riots that triggered disturbances around the country. But what have we learned? In this week's Guardian Focus podcast, we'll try to find out why it happened. Was it avoidable? And what's the future for Tottenham now? So this is the High Street and on one level it's a bit surreal. Busy, bustling, the fast food restaurants open for business, the fruit and veg shops doing a healthy trade. But there are telltale signs that something happened here. The workmen are busy, there are glaziers vans parked up. Damage repairers are doing a busy trade. Walk further and what was the post office is boarded up. The furniture store featured ablaze in so many newspapers is a shell now. And a local Aldi supermarket is obscured by giant sheets of MDF. If you peep through them, you can see the rear doors of the store are still wide open. Eskif Benoit, you've done a lot of work with local youths. What are they saying to you about the way they feel about the rights and why they think it happened? It had to happen. It just took that striking thing with the young Mark getting killed by the police and that, that, that set off. But not so much him getting killed and, and not the disrespect to the parents. That the, the word was on the street that Mark was dead before the parents heard it. And in our community, that never happens. So what was in the background that meant that when there was that perceived disrespect to the family, mm. that everything turned out so badly? In the, in the background was that, you know, youngsters time and time again, stop and search, youth service provision, 75% cuts, youth not been listened to, right? Um, right across the board, and not only just in the last sort of eight, nine months, Right, you know, the youth are feeling it right across the board. You know, EMA's been cut. I know I'm at the college here. Youth are just feeling that, hold on, they're getting qualified and there's no jobs in, in, in the borough. There's nothing for them to go on to. And this was the sort of the, 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 the last straw, you know what I'm saying? What have the riots done to your community? It's broke my soul. It's broke my soul. Because I'm walking down the streets and it, it, it's broke my soul. Today, on the riots and all stuff like that, I'm so sorry for the people who's lost their houses and all stuff like that. My heart is being broken because of that. But do you know something? The police, there was no, there was no police. A month on from the riots, how, how do you feel about it? Because they obviously it had Tottenham in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, um, the way I feel about it is that I'm not really too fussed. I'm pissed off about the people who lost all their property and all that, and they lost their homes. But for the reason why it happened is, it's called for really because how can the police shoot someone dead and don't go to the family and explain what's happened and why this family have lost a family member, you understand? But is that enough to just, not to justify, but to explain the scale of what happened? Not really. Like I said, people took it a bit too far, innit? People lost their houses, houses got burnt down, lost shops that everyone goes to, you know? This is where I live here, this is where a lot of people live, so I don't think. I don't think really a lot of people, I don't think they thought about it really to that depth while it was all going on. When you're in the midst of it, you just, you just go with the flow, innit? Okay, well this is, uh, this is the Burnley Grant Arts Centre. At the front you've got the hub, 
Um, in there, there are admin offices and two studios that we use for... Sharon Grant showing me around her pride and joy, um, the Bernie here, Grant Arts Centre in central Tottenham. Bernie, of course, was the pioneering the MP for Tottenham, one of the first batch of black MPs. Revered in Tottenham still, but he's also known for his comments about the last Tottenham riot in 1985. The flare-up happened, but... What about the way it was handled afterwards? I know you've been, in a way, quite critical of um, the way the authorities reacted. Well, I think I think the, the local police um, and the metropolitan police, more generally, they do have some pretty serious questions to answer. First of all, they they didn't trigger the now long-standing arrangements as regards consultation with the community immediately after the death of Mr. Duggan. They ought to have done that. The machinery was there and it wasn't used. Uh, that that could have dispelled, I think, two important. Um, pieces of misinformation. First of all, that it was the Tottenham police themselves that were involved in the uh, death of Mr Duggan. And secondly, that it was the responsibility of the Tottenham police specifically um, to liaise with the family. And I think if those myths had been cleared up at a very early stage, which they ought to have been, then perhaps we might not have seen the the demonstration outside the police station, um, which uh, certainly had something to do with the disturbance kicking off late on that Saturday night. Um, So I think they ought to have done that. I think they also ought to have, um, general terms, um, have foreseen the possibility of a disturbance. If you were the borough commander or in a position of responsibility so far as the Tottenham police were concerned alarm bells ought to have been ringing by that Saturday you ought to have had a few van loads of um, police to hiding in the back streets just in case something kicked off in the interests of your own men as much as any, any anything else quite frankly of course Sharon Grant is far from the only person to voice sharp criticism of the police operation in the hours after the shooting of Mark Duggan David Gilbertson was a chief superintendent in Tottenham in the 1990s and later a deputy assistant commissioner at Scotland Yard. Brickbats from a man who knows. I believe the police should, uh, certainly I believe the police at Tottenham should have reacted much more quickly and much more assertively. From what I can see, and certainly from what I've been told, had there been a more effective response on that night... Uh, a lot of what happened subsequently in terms of, of disorder and um, arson and murder around the rest of the country may well have been avoided because what was happening was the, the you, you were sending across YouTube and across the airwaves um, a, a message which basically said, come and have a go. There seems to be very little um, possibility of you being arrested and held to account for this. And that's entirely the wrong thing to do. I mean, don't forget that they had a duty of care not only to ensure that there was no disorder and that um, a sensitive situation wasn't made worse, they also had a duty of care to the people who live and work in Tottenham. And frankly, they abdicated that responsibility. The way that the initial march from Broadwater Farm was managed um, can be looked at in a number of ways. Um, My experience as divisional commander at Tottenham is some... 12 to 15 years old now. But uh, I don't think the place has changed very much from the time that I was there. Tottenham was always a what we used to refer to as a symbolic location. The reason for that is, is as plain as a pike staff, and that stems from the Broadwater Farm incident of 1985. 
anything in relation to Tottenham, you deal with sensitive, in a sensitive way. Now, the way that uh, traditionally um, protest has been managed in Tottenham is that people march to the police station and they look for remedies. Um, the way that I used to deal with it, the way that my predecessors deal with, dealt with it, and the way that those that followed me, I believed, dealt with it, was that you would always meet the march, you'd always do what you could to meet their problem, you would always invite in the leaders of the march, because what what people wanted to see was they wanted to hit, they wanted to see that you were listening to their problem, and by definition, that meant being conducted into the police station, having questions answered by people who were in a position to answer questions, and then being uh, allowed to leave the police station, perhaps with a shake of hands on the front steps. A few lone voices will defend the police strategy. Bill Guy, a member of the local police consultative committee, is one of them. I think the police has done a marvellous job. And I, at the meeting last week, congratulated the police. They're damn if they don't. They damn if they do. They stood back because this is a mixed up borough. I live in this borough from 1950, and I know this borough inside out more than anyone else. I could assure you, my learned friend, the police done a damn good job. But people say that we were looking out of our windows, we could see people looting, we could see places burning, and we were thinking, where are the police officers? But I think people exaggerate. If the police had gone in force and do what they had to do or should do, then they would have criticised them that they were heavy-handed. The police is damned if they don't, they're damned if they do. What should the police do? We've got a fine bunch of police in this borough. 25 years ago, you could have told me something different. I would have liked the police going there with, with batons swinging and the water cannon. I would have liked that personally. So there's criticism and praise for the senior officers. But everyone agrees that the riots were a horrible experience for the officers forced to confront the rioters. As ever, pity the poor bloody infantry. Acting Sergeant Rob Payne was one of the officers drafted in from South London, as it became clear that the police lines were being overwhelmed. Essentially, when we arrived on the high road, uh, there was officers shouting for medics. You could hear by the radio links that uh, officers required urgent assistance uh, with regards to events taking place i.e. that subjects were throwing missiles at police lines, uh, making barricades uh, across the main road uh, and essentially uh, causing problems and committing offences in the local area. And did you see any officers hit? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, indeed, uh, I would suggest that uh, most certainly every one of the officers that attended from Sutton had received some injury of some sort for a missile that they were hit with some seriously to the point where they needed hospital treatment. What kind of missiles? Uh, the, the missiles that rained down initially, uh, they were generally sort of like um, broken pieces of concrete and bricks um, because the um, guys who were throwing the missiles had actually broken into what was a building site and could have access to any number of missiles to be used against the police. The thing that struck people is the ferocity of it. I mean, describe that for us. Uh, the frosty of it was something that I've never seen before uh, in my eight-year service. Um, it was my first incident as an acting sergeant of what you would call violent disorder, uh, stroke riot. Um, essentially, uh, there was large amounts of missiles coming in from all areas. Uh, there was uh, barricades across the road in terms of large piping. Uh, down by the little supermarket, there was uh, supermarket trolleys that were in a line and spread right across the road. 
and behind that there was a barricade of what had been set on fire. Uh, so we had a large fire spreading across the road in front of us. Um, to set the scene a little bit more, we also had the little supermarket that was burning to our right. Uh, we were all breathing in sort of acrid smoke, um, which was causing our lungs to burn as we ran backwards and forwards uh, to try and deter the offenders um, back and to recover the ground that was lost so that we could get the fire brigade in behind us. As again, I said, you know, you're all very professional, but this must be outside your experience. You must have been seeing things in terms of the level of violence and the and the looting that are just completely outside your experience. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's outside my experience of previous incidents. Um, I wouldn't say at any time that it was beyond our control, um, but certainly it's an event I've never seen before, but it's one I've been proud to be part of. And the pride in the sense, you know, I'm proud of the actions that I took, but I'm certainly more proud of the way my team responded to the incident that was unfolding in front of them. Can I just, uh, can I just thank you all? Huge. Hi, Matt. The I'm at the Kitibabi Turkish Cafe in Tottenham High Road. It's a popular local venue, just a few yards from the police station. But more importantly, Nick Clegg, the Deputy Prime Minister, is here. He's returned to Tottenham having toured the area a few weeks ago and having seen the devastation firsthand. He's told traders, counters and residents whose businesses and homes were destroyed that he wants to see how they're getting on. How important do you think Tottenham was to the sequence that, that followed thereafter? Do you think if there'd been tougher, uh, a tougher response in Tottenham that you might not have seen the disturbances elsewhere? I think it's, it's really difficult um, to know with any kind of precision what might have happened if, if, if that Saturday night in Tottenham had turned out differently. I think we've got to be really careful not to be kind of wise with, with hindsight. One of the reasons why we need to have this panel, which I've set up, chaired by Dara Singh, is precisely to ask those difficult searching questions and not just rely on instant, instant wisdom and instant judgment in the, in the immediate w uh, days and weeks after the events. People here talk about warnings to the police that weren't heeded. Is that one of the things you want to get to the bottom of? Well, look, there's a, there's a whole process which is now underway about the very particular circumstances surrounding the shooting of Mr. Mr. Duggan, and um, that is now being looked at independently. And I think it would be very foolish of anyone to try and short-circuit that process until it's been looked at properly uh, and, and independently. And the police, to be fair, I was speaking to one of the local commanders here, you know, they've been going out day in, day out, sitting down with local communities uh, and members of the local community, answering questions where they can, but also, you know, in a sense, taking a lot of criticism. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, that's an inevitable part of local policing, that you make yourself available to the local community, that you don't just simply sort of defensively kind of bat away every criticism, and you listen to those criticisms, reflect on them, and make sure that you then provide a good answer. Because people say, we told you that the shooting will mean trouble and that those warnings weren't heeded. Surely that's well, quite worrying. Look, again, don't rush to judgment. It wasn't the local police who knew about that, that operation. Um, you know, quite, un quite understandably, Operation Trident runs independently. Um, uh, so these are all sorts of questions that need to be flushed out and looked at carefully. And, and I just think it's very important that, that whilst it's incredibly easy to be wise with hindsight, it always is in, in life, and it is on these riots, as it is on everything else, that we take our time to ex extract the right lessons and not the wrong ones from, from these terrible events. My name's Stephen Moore. I've run Paradise Gems at Jewelers on the high road. Steve, you just met with Nick Clegg. Was that a fruitful meeting, do you think? Um, I hope something comes out of it. I've a lot of noises in the right, in the right direction, but uh, just got to wait and see what happens. 
Your shot was targeted. Uh, tell me what happened. Um, that evening I got a phone call about half ten to say that they'd broken into the shop and they were looting it. I uh, then phoned the police, we told that, that they couldn't attend the premises because of the riot going on. And uh, I then was phoned by somebody else about 12 o'clock to say it, it was set on fire and the shop was well alight. So you lost everything? I lost everything apart from, well, now I've got 12 safes in the building, which are well buried in the basement. Uh, I've got to wait and see what's left of me, of my business. What's the timetable? When will you find out? Within the next week or so, I hope. That's the way it seems now. And, you know, and once that is done, then I'll know how I can proceed, whether I survive and carry on, get another premises in Tottenham, or I, uh, I'm finished. I don't know. I'm here with Stuart. You've just met Nick Clegg. Um, tell me what happened to you on the right night, because you, you actually live on the high road, don't you? Yeah, um, I lived above the carpet shop at River Heights, um, so we were watching the riot develop on the night. We were watching down the high road as uh, numbers were increasing and the fires were increasing and everything else. So I woke my wife up and then we uh, we left the building with some neighbours, basically. And uh, what happened from there? How did you get out? Because there was a huge fire there, wasn't there? Yeah, we just got out before the fire sort of got hold of the building really so um, with some neighbours we left before the fire had started um, the indecision came about going down leaving the third floor of the balcony overlooking the high road walking down onto the street with uh, hundreds of rioters so we walked through, uh, onto the street and then walked away from the, the direction of the high road. There's been, there's been some criticism of the police um, where were the police? Um, well we all felt completely isolated um, when I was watching like the events unfold uh, for over an hour, two hours, there was no police in sight whatsoever. Um, no fire brigade in sight, we called the police, our neighbours called the fire brigade. We were just left completely vulnerable. Alan Strickland, you're the cabinet member for economic development here. You've just sat down um, during that meeting with Nick Clegg. There were huge cuts to the youth service. Um, youth clubs closed. You might not have wanted to do that as a council, but those cuts came via yourself. How much of a, an effect did that have? Well, I think it's really difficult to say that you know closing a youth centre here or, or changing a service there, um, you, you know, caused the sort of disturbances that we saw. Um, you know, I don't think that would be fair. Um, but as I said, what we are looking at is how as a council we can make sure that in Tottenham you know young people feel you know they have a, a stronger stake in their community they do have stronger skills you know better employment opportunities you know, and that's why we'll be launching um, a flagship work letter scheme to help young people get into work um, later this year but I think it's it'd be wrong to point to any one cause we're also having um, you know a number of meetings with community groups with residents because what we've said very clearly to our residents you know is we want to listen basically we want to have a, a joint conversation and um, the council the police traders residents and we we want to discuss collectively you know what people think needs to happen what people think might have contributed to this because that's a that's a decision for the community as a whole to come to so why did it happen was it about the shooting was it just a desperate grab for stuff by opportunists was it what people have described to be a, a general pissed offeredness young people connected to the organization hype or haringey young people empowered say it was a bit of everything Last weekend, to try to create a different picture of local youth and to get people's views about the riots, Hype organised a cross-borough football tournament. 
I went to speak with some of them as they made the final arrangements, starting with Jude Onowazur. <laughs> Do you have any um, any idea as to why the disturbances were as ferocious as they were? It's a very get-rich-quick society in the sense that we aspire to these people on TV, but there's no means as to actually get their um, opportunities are cut limited. Um, these young people, they have aspirations of being wealthy and famous, but there aren't opportunities to actually get this. They want things, they want to get rich quick. So how do we deal with that? Where do we go now? Um, I think it's just understanding both sides. I think um, a lot of people, young people, they have issues um, trapped in society, but they can't articulate themselves properly. The way they went about expressing themselves was incorrect, but it's been bubbling for a while. It just need more um, interaction between young people and actual establishments in terms of helping them. It's a problem that's affecting everyone. It's now become a national problem, um, whereas before I feel that a lot of people, um, middle class, didn't really know about the problem that was going on, but it's become a national issue and it needs to be addressed. Myself, I feel more interaction between young people and the establishment, I think we'll go a long way to help on it. I'm with Uri Bula, you're a student and you live here in Tottenham and, and you're volunteering for this uh, football match. Yeah. Do you have any understanding of the antagonism that seemed to manifest itself a month ago between sections of the community and the police? I mean, um, in, people keep referring back to 1985 when the Bulldog Farm rights happened, but that was at a time when there was genuine issues within the Metropolitan Police. However, um, as time has progressed, the relationship has improved to a certain point, but there is there has that been there is that kind of hatred towards the police for many reasons. For example, stop and search policies, the way a lot of young people feel they've been targeted for who they are or whatnot, and um, feel feel that society doesn't respect them. So why should they respect society? Kind of thing. Have you ever been stopped? Um, yeah, I have. And what was that like? It was quite humiliating, as well in the sense that you're in the middle of a station and you've just been asked to go to a site, you've just been asked in front of everyone to go like to put your hands up and just and pat it down and everyone's just staring at you and it's very humiliating. I'm Sabrina, I'm 17 and I'm an international baccalaureate student and I'm also part of um, the Hype Executive team. So tell me what you thought when you saw the news and you saw those pictures of Tottenham High Street a month ago? Well, initially I didn't believe that, and then afterwards what really struck me was the kids that I saw on the screen, because a lot of them I knew, and it was very sad to see them going to that level. Have you met any of the people that you saw that you recognise since? Have they explained to you why they did what they did? A lot of them are, are hiding, let's just say. They don't want to show their face, because obviously it is an embarrassment. Um, I have spoken to some of them. I was quite shocked, actually, because some of them didn't regret it at all. Some of them didn't regret it, and they didn't realise the damage that they had caused. Um, they didn't regret it because they got the stuff, or because they still thought there was a point worth making, that, yeah, and they made it in the right way? Well, to them they did. To them, not necessarily the right way, but the only way. That's, in a way, really worrying, isn't it? It is very worrying, and I mean, that's, that's why there have been so many campaigns in Haringey to keep the youth services, to keep youth workers, because we knew this was going to happen. So you're working hard. Where's the hope? Where's the hope? Where's the hope? I think now, um, 
what the council, what the government, what the police really need to do. It's going to take a long time, but they really need to start listening to the young people. They really need to start and acknowledge them and realise that they're really the future. And so you have to invest in them. You cannot cut youth services. You cannot... Um, you, you just can't deprive them of opportunities and that's what the problem is um, once you're I mean first you have to build the relationship with them because the trust will take time but um, I think if they do invest a lot of time into the young people then um, it can be sorted I'm with Simeon Brown of Hype now I mean you can't change history so can Tottenham ever escape that baggage? I think Tottenham has to rebuild I think that is a part of the story of Tottenham. Tottenham has a great tradition. We've had a number of, you know, really powerful community, Tottenham folk, who are, you know, really passionate about Tottenham and the, the diversity and about the story. And um, I think that Tottenham can get through it, will get through it. Right now, we're seeing young people taking the lead. So you don't have to ask me, you can just be in this space and you can recognise that, you know, healing is taking place. Of course, what we need now is the policy to be right. Now, if the policy is right and you learn from the narrative, then for me, you really do ensure that it never happens again. Have they got the policy right? I guess we'll see, but I don't believe they have. If there is to be a brighter future for Haringey, the volunteers at Hype will have to be part of it. Mark Duggan grew up on the Broadwater Farm estate and the area was also the scene of the 1985 riots when PC Keith Blakelock was killed. Duggan's wake here attracted hundreds of people, including youth and community leader Clasford Sterling, who knew Duggan personally. I asked him where the hope was now for Tottenham. There's some positive work going on um, um, in, in the borough, you know, and again, it's not just uh, people like myself, community developers, um, people in the local authority who actually care about what happens to places like Broadwater Farm and areas like um, um, Broadwater Farm um, in the borough. Now, Nick Clegg made a statement at a meeting that I was at, and he said, well, you know, people have got to understand, I haven't got to put a gold to give anybody. Well, as I said to him, I'm not asking, no one's asking for a pot of gold. What we're asking for is the gold that you stole. And that's it. Give us back the gold you took, and we'll be happy with that. You know what I mean? I mean, the borough is about 80, 83 million. That's a, that's a lot of cuts. We've, got, we've lost a lot of community developers, a lot of community workers. And, you know, somebody said to me on the night class, if you and other people like you that were there, were there, this most probably wouldn't have happened. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not, you know, but we've lost a lot of community developers now. You know, when there is a problem, who do you, um, who do you turn to? It's obvious that the police can't deal with it, you know, and who now is going to be trying to redevelop um, um, that relationship with the police, young people and the police and, and the general public. Who is going to do that? You know, I've been doing this now 32 years. I hope it don't take another 32 years. It is very difficult. But, you know, I'm here and I'm going to try myself because, you know, one thing that, you know, uh, angers me with the public is trying to label, you know, every single police officer as, as being the same. And it's not. You know, it's like saying all black people are the same. No. But the job of putting Tottenham back together in the short term and making sure nothing as disastrous as last month's riot happens again falls to the current generation of leaders, in particular the local MP David Lammy. I asked him how he hopes to do that. I think I've got to try and convey to the public at large and the government, because people have got to stay with Tottenham, 
that for any area to have had two riots within a generation is tragic. I don't think there's any other area of the country that's found itself in this situation. It is becoming quite clear, and I think that the various inquiries will make this much clearer, that what has happened in Tottenham on this occasion um, could have been avoided. Um, so Tottenham now needs tremendous goodwill. It was already a community that was hurting, already a community with the highest unemployment in London, um, already a community in, in need of much bigger scale regeneration, the sort of regeneration we're seeing in East London around the Olympics. We now need to get very, very serious about what happens to take this community forward. That will involve serious investment and resources. Uh, and I'm now talking hundreds of millions, the sorts of resources we've seen in the east of London around the Olympics, in places like Salford. But it takes a lot of work with human capital and people, not just young people, adults. The unemployment is huge and needs to come down. And then you've got to rebuild trust and goodwill. Um, the relations with the police, frankly, have taken a battering in the last few weeks. Um, and what is coming out is not good. And that needs to be rebuilt and re remended. Um, and also got beyond because there's still a need to recruit from areas like Tottenham and turn that around. So we've got a big task. It, 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 it is, there's an urgency and the public will, the people of Tottenham want an urgency to this and quite rightly, and I have to be urgent in my language, but recognize that it, it, it will take some time. The, the only good thing I would take from this is after the previous riots, Tottenham was left phenomenally isolated. And you might say that some of what we are dealing with now is because of that isolation. This time round, there seems to be much greater goodwill beyond Tottenham in government, in the mayor's office, and certainly amongst the general public. That now has to be harnessed. David Lammy. And as we come to the end of this Guardian Focus podcast, a few things need saying. One is that once again, the actions of a few have blighted the lives of many. A tiny proportion of Tottenham's population rioted. The majority, appalled, frightened, stayed at home. The second is that it will take a Herculean effort to get Tottenham back to where it was. And the third is that Tottenham needs much more than a return to where it was, because life before the riots wasn't so good in the first place. After 1985, millions were pumped in, but Tottenham remained one of the most deprived areas in the country. Regeneration isn't cheap, but surely by now we know the cost of inaction. That's it from Tottenham. I'm Hugh Muir. The producer was Peter Sale. Thanks for listening. great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.